You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. First, I just want to thank Jay for the word that he brought and Carrie, the words that they brought last week. Um, I was telling Sarah about this because we were, I mean, we were exhausted Sunday, and we were very grateful to not have to be here and try to make it work, or me preaching a mask or something like that, and just try to make it work. Very grateful. Jade just totally volunteered to speak and and preach, and brought a wonderful word, a beautiful word, and uh, Carrie sh- just shared beautiful testimony. And I was telling my wife this. I was telling Sarah because we were just laying in bed listening to this, and by the end of the message, I was out cold. Like, totally asleep. But I was, I was telling her, I was like, I don't know how to say this to Jay without him feeling insulted. But Jay has such a way of delivering a word of God that just is so saturated in peace that you're just, you just find rest in it. And it was so wonderful because we had been, and we still are, in a, in a heavy sleep regression with our six-month-old little girl uh, who's also really exercising her vocal cords and her ability to scream. And so... Um, we just haven't been sleeping great at our house, and so that word was just amazing, and it also brought, brought rest, and so thank you very much. It was wonderful, uh, and uh, it's, it's interesting in these times when I'm away and I get plucked out. I really hate times where I get plucked out of, of the routine of, of doing life in sundown and, and coming to the office and meeting with people and had to cancel a bunch of stuff last week, but um, in that time, the Lord was just so good, and he was speaking, I mean, he was speaking a lot. There was a lot that he was saying. He had a lot to say for this church, and for this season, and for this community, and there are a lot of words. I've never had so many Sundays planned in advance of the message. I know the message that will come uh, today, I know what will be next Sunday, and I know it will be the Sunday after that, and I know it will be the Sunday after that, just because the Lord was speaking, and it's like, okay, each one of these is a sermon. I can't just, I can't share all of this at once. There's just too much here, and, and for him to share things with me that are, and him ask me questions where I'm, I'm having to sit with, with this question from the Lord for weeks, because it's just, it's big. There's a lot to it. Um, and there's a lot of refining that the Lord is doing. And so I'm just really excited for the weeks ahead. But one thing that the Lord spoke that I just want to share with you, this has a lot to do with next Sunday, and I'm going to try my very best to not merge this into this Sunday, but I'm just very excited about what the Lord has for today and for next Sunday, just powerful words. Um, and to just hear from other pastors things that have been prophesied here, to hear them teach it from their pulpit in other churches and places that have never come in contact with Sundown, Texas. To just hear, to hear them say things. My, my father spoke to me in this, in when this was all starting and in 2020, and he just spoke to me. He said, the Lord is building a new wineskin for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he told me that almost three years ago. And I heard it preached from a pulpit yesterday. And I was just like, okay, I don't know if my dad realizes he's a prophet, but uh, just speaking things and just clarifying things and beautiful things. But 
One of the things that I've heard articulated through a lot of different pastors that I've come in contact with and just done, done life with and just asked how things are going in the last couple of weeks, one of the consistent things that they say is how hard it is to get people to come back to church. They're just content with not coming back to church. They're good with that. They wake up and they're content to not be here. And, and it's, it's people that have always been at church. Right? We think that there's just this group of people that need to come to church. They need to wake up. They need to know Jesus. No, it's the people that have always known Jesus. And you recognize, oh, maybe they didn't really have this hunger for Jesus. They thought they did. Their routine got broken up and they realized they didn't need that routine anymore. But what the Lord said through this pastor, and I want, I want to give her credit. Um, but what she said, the Lord corrected it in her. You have been so focused on me filling a room of brick and mortar with people and with my presence when all I'm trying to do is fill you. you we have been so focused as a, as a congregation, not just in sundown, but I, I'm hearing it from all over. Oh, we just can't get people to come. We just can't get people to come. But you know what happens when you focus on trying to get people to come? You begin to tailor the message on what's appetizing for the people to come. You begin adding things. I remember when this happened in the church I was growing up in. Kids didn't want to come to church anymore, so you know what we did? We bought all new Xboxes and Playstations and gaming systems and pool tables, and we did this whole youth center, and it was the coolest youth center. You would not believe it. If I took you to this youth center, you would not believe your eyes what it, what it looks like and the amount of money that they spent to just get kids to come into the building. But the message changed. The message changed. It began... It began to become about tailoring to what flavor they'll, they'll, is appetizing and what they want to hear, and then that's, that's what we began to do. But you get, guess what? In this time that is different is people don't have a desire to come. So it doesn't matter the message that you change. If you change the truth to try to be more appetizing to them, you'll get them for maybe one or two Sundays. And then guess what? They'll realize they don't need to come anymore. They've heard something, they're like, yeah, I agree with that. Oh, that's cool. That makes me feel better about where I'm at, and then I'll stop coming. And so that's the dangerous thing about thinking about how do we fill, Lord, come, how, fill this place, fill this brick-and-mortar place. The Lord's like, I'm not interested in filling the brick-and-mortar. I'm interested in filling you, those that are present, those that are willing, those that are able and, and, and wanting to receive, I want to fill you. And we have been so focused on him filling the things around us that we're missing the fact that he just wants to fill us. And I'm telling you, when the people of God are just content with their father just filling them, I just want to be filled. Selfishly, I don't care about anybody else. I want to be filled. I want to be filled with the presence of God because if I'm not filled with the presence of God, what good am I to anybody else? I don't want to impart to them partial truths of God. I want the full thing. And for them to receive the full thing from me, I must receive the full thing for myself. Amen? And it's, that's, so that's next week. All right? There's, <laughs> there's your sermonette on that deal. But we stand before a day where... The reality just cannot be denied that it's just not going the way we thought it would. Things are just not going the way we thought it would. How many of us talked, so many of us, so many of you with me, we had conversations of I can't wait for things to go back to the way they were once this COVID mess is over. We're still waiting on that day. It ain't come yet. 
And it doesn't look like it's ever going to come. But what did the Lord also say? This was so foolish of us and myself included. So foolish. The Lord said, I was shaking. I will bring shaking to remove the gray that there will be black and white. You will see black and white. There will be no more gray. He is, and he was doing that through his shaking. But we lived and we dwelled in a place of gray. So why would we think the Lord would reestablish the gray areas of our life? These things that we're like, oh, hear no evil, see no evil. I'm just going to go on my own merry way when my blinders know the Lord has removed the blinders. You can't ignore it anymore. And why would he establish those back in your life? Why would he give those things back the thing that he said he would remove? So things will never go back to the way they were. Ever. Those days are gone. They are dead and they are buried. There is no bringing them back. You can go dig them up, but you're not going to like what you find. It will not be what you put in the ground. It will be what is, it is, will be what is gone. The world that we lived in is gone. And I look out and I see more things I don't understand than things I do. I, I turn on the news. I talk to people. I interact with people in their world and their life. And I'm just looking around at things and I'm like, I don't understand what I'm seeing right now. There are more things happening in our world, in our small little sundown, that I don't understand than things that I do understand. One of the things I don't understand, I don't understand why people are moving to sundown. Can we just be honest for a second? There are young couples moving to sundown, and I'm sitting there like, why? You guys get lost? Like, real lost. (laughs) Sundown's hard to get to. But they're coming in droves. And I'm confused as to, okay, what what does this have to do with what the Lord is is working now? But the Lord has said so clearly and often. One, he said many years ago that he was building a highway of holiness. People would travel on this highway and they would arrive here. They would exit and sundown. It would end in sundown Texas. There would be no explaining how they got here. It wouldn't make logical sense. It doesn't make logical sense to me, someone wanting to leave the city because it's becoming too crowded. Because a lot of our world right now is flocking to cities. But now there's also this mass exodus of a city. Which is, I just, I'm like, this is crazy. I never thought I would see this. I never thought people would want to, they would want to live in the country again. And want to be disconnected. There are people that, they're, they're, we live in a world, I don't know if you've ever seen Chris Farley's skit of living in a van down by the river, but a lot of people took that to heart, and now there's a lot of people that just want to live in a van down by the river. And I don't understand it. I don't understand what we're seeing, but we're seeing a lot of this, and I don't understand what the Lord is doing in all of it, but I know that the Lord has spoken. But how it will come to be, what the Lord has spoken just in the last few years, how it will come to be remains a mystery. But hear this, church. I know that the level of mystery I'm willing to live with will determine the level of revelation that I receive. Hear that again. That takes some chewing. The level of mystery I am willing to live with will determine the level of revelation I am able to receive. Because the Lord does not want a people that can put him in a box and define everything about him. He wants a people that are okay with the mystery. Those Israelites walking through the parted sea. They were walking through in obedience because the Lord told them to walk through. But do you think they were in the midst of mystery or did they have full understanding of what was going on around them? 
Absolutely not. They were living in the mystery. How am I where I am? How is this happening? It was a mystery. But obedient continually. Every step they were obedient. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm understanding. The level of mystery that I'm willing to live with will determine the level of revelation I am able to receive. In Mark, um, where is it? Mark verse 10 is where we'll, we'll start this morning. Chapter 10, I'm, I'm sorry. Chapter 10, verse 14. We read this two weeks ago. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for such, to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter into it. Church, we must in this place and in this time and in this season return with childlikeness. I cannot escape this truth that the Lord is calling back His children. He's not calling back His mature, developed adults. We have added so much that is taking away to the presence and the majesty of God by trying to understand everything, trying to figure out every mystery, thinking we're too big for our britches is really what the church has got an issue with. You are too big for your britches. Thinking you understand too much of God. But to accept the mystery again is to return with childlikeness, childlike faith. We are consuming ourselves with that which matters not. I've seen this in the world. And when the Lord is teaching about returning like a child, what is the best example of what that looks like? Look at your children. Look at your grandchildren. And I'm looking at my children, and my child does not care how many people are here this morning. Never registered in their mind. Never once did they say, man, my dad must be missing it because there's nobody here. Never once have they said that. Never once have they doubted what the Lord has spoken in this place. They don't care about the price of of cotton. They don't care about the price of oil. They don't care if it costs me a kidney to fill up my diesel tank just to drive home at the end of the day. They don't care. They're not consumed by those things. They're not worried about those things. They're not worried about how their portions at grocery store are getting smaller and the price is going up. They're not worried about those things. They are such a beautiful example of in the world and not of it. What better example of in the world, not of it, than a child? Because the things that weigh us down, that cause turmoil within us, don't affect them at all. Except for when they begin to see turmoil in us and we teach them turmoil. With things that before that moment, when we introduced them to turmoil, they did not care about. That carried no weight. And it carries no weight in the kingdom. If, a, if an imperfect father gives good gifts to his children, what more will a good and perfect father do for his? Right? And he knows the prices of things are going up. He knows things are getting difficult. He knows things are uncertain and he's grateful for it. And he will continue to provide for his children. And he will provide for way, in ways that the world will look at the children of God and there will be a mystery surrounding them because they don't understand. The world does not understand how the children of God prosper when the world falls apart. Do you hear what I'm saying? But that only comes when we are willing to live in the mystery. Willing to live in the mystery. I remember... As a, as, a, as a kid, I remember seeing 
my parents trying to figure out how they're going to pay for groceries, and then all of a sudden my mom got a call that there had been a major deposit into our bank account. And didn't know how, because her and my dad were the only ones that knew of the deficit that we were in. And I remember sitting on the stairs as she got this phone call and just began to weep, and it was like, that's mystery, man. Because the kingdom of God is not dictated by a nine-to-five job. It doesn't have to get approval from the boss to find, I mean, the, the kingdom of God has all the wealth in the universe. And if it needs to give us some money, it'll provide us some money. If you need groceries, the Lord will provide these things for you. He will do it. He's not bound by the things that bound us. But that only comes when we're willing to live in the mystery and say yes to it. Like childlike faith that he is my God, he is my father, he is my king, and I am his son. He will not leave me here to die. He will provide for me in every way, shape, and form, and fashion that I allow him to provide for me. All I have to do is be willing to live in the mystery of how it comes and when it comes. And just say yes to it. And when a child hears the Lord and hears that the Lord will do something, they believe it. It governs their day and nothing else. They never for a second. I've seen this in my children when I've told them that the Lord is going to do something and they just say, okay. They accept it and they move on. There's no more thinking about it. There's no more considering it. They just say yes, and they go on about their day. There are aspects, and this is what I'm trying to get at. There are aspects of the kingdom that can only be accessed through childlike faith. I'm telling you right now, there are levels of revelation. There are levels of the presence and depths of God in his heart that will only ever be accessed through childlikeness childlike faith. What does it say in Mark 10? It says that the kingdom of God will be received by children. Not by grown-ups. By children. Because they say yes and amen to what the Lord speaks and that's the end of it. And their day is dictated by what the Lord says, not by what they see on CNN or Fox News or what they read on their phone or what they see on social media. That has no weight in their day or in their life in any way, shape, and form. They are dictated only by that which the Lord has spoken. And in those places, you access levels of the presence of God and aspects of the kingdom that cannot be accessed any other way. We cannot be those who judge God for what he isn't doing. I see a lot of Christians are falling into that. They're sliding down this slippery slope right now as they begin to judge the Lord for what he isn't doing. They're judging the Lord for the chairs that are empty and not praising God for the chairs that are full. They're judging the Lord for the the funds that are not there instead of praising God for the funds that are. They're not allowing the Lord access to their hearts. They're not allowing the Lord to lead them in mystery and in revelation and just be childlike before their king, and be led. They're judging God in everything that he isn't doing, and they're missing everything that he is doing. Again, it's, it's perspective. It's the Israelites standing and facing the army and beginning to judge God for what he isn't doing, for how he hasn't saved them. But what do we know about the story? The salvation for them was simply behind them. They just had to turn around and move forward. It was for them. It was already there. It was waiting on them to arrive at the shore. But the world now, it needs to see a relationship between God and and creation, between father and son, father and daughter, 
a steady relationship, never wavering friendship between creator and creation. Church, and this is really the heart of this morning. My friendship with God can only go where his lordship has already been. Jay said this last week. And I don't know if Jay heard this sermon, but um, it's, this is where I heard it. Uh, Pastor Bill Johnson from uh, the Bethel Church in Redding, California, he's, he's one of my mentors. He doesn't know it, but I, I, I uh, seek his, his wisdom often. And he had just lost his wife to cancer that week and that Sunday he was preaching. And just for me as a pastor, it's like I want my resolve and the anointing of God over my life. And I want my unity with my church body, my house, to be so strong that if I lost someone that dear to me, the first place I would run would be fellowship with my brothers and sisters. It was beautiful. It was beautiful the word that he brought, but he was talking about in mourning. He was talking about understanding and encountering the presence of God that is, that is existing in the valley of the shadow of death. And there's a measure of the presence of God that just exists there and is waiting for us when we enter into those places. But he said, in talking about having, having friendship with God and, and going through this, this process of mourning with the Lord... That he can't have the friendship of God in a place where his lordship does not exist and has not already been. And so, is the Lord, Lord, over this season in your story? Does he have lordship over this season that we as a church are in? Not just for me, for all of us. He must have lordship in this place if we are to display the friendship that we have with Jesus. If he does not have lordship in a place in your life, the world will not see friendship. They will not see a relationship. We've talked about this uh, in our our Wednesday nights going through prayer and worship uh, study. But two truths that we know to be absolute is that for everyone, those that are not saved, every person that has ever lived and ever breathed, God is their creator. Period. And then the second truth is that for all those who are in Christ Jesus, born again, saved, he is their creator and he is their heavenly father. And what is the main difference between those two? It is the switch of relationship that is now on display and now accessible for that person. And what the world needs now more than anything is to see the children of God in relationship with their Father. They have heard about it. They have been talked to about a relationship with God. But what they are lacking, what the world is lacking in example, what the church is lacking in putting on display is an actual relationship with their King, with their Father, with King Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with the Heavenly Father. The world has not seen a relationship. We, God is making his appeal through us, but he's not making his appeal through these blind vessels. He's making his appeal through his sons and daughters. That they would see the relationship that is meant for them to have as well. Through the relationship that we have with him. And you can't display relationship without friendship. 
And you'll never display friendship if there is not first lordship. He must be lord over your life first before you can access the friendship. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? Romans 14 is where we'll be next. Verse 7. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that we might be both that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. In this season, is the Lord showing us where we have sought to take the Lordship from him? I know the answer to that question is absolutely yes. The Lord in this season has been showing me All these different places where he does not have lordship in my life. But where I expect his friendship. Where he is not lord. But I want him to be my friend in these places. And it's impossible. I won't ever encounter him. Or in this season is he trying to reveal to us a new place. A new place in your life that you've never been to. There are places, obviously... Uh, in this season for all of us that are brand new, we have never been before. And so we've never encountered the reality that the Lord is not Lord over these places. It's a new place. And he's showing us these new places. He's revealing to us these new places where he desires lordship in our life. We don't, I know all of us can attest to this, but we do not choose the hard places. None of us in here were like, I can't wait for this church to really hit some hard times. That's going to be good. I can't wait for this community to really hit some hard times. None of us seek the hard places of life. But in Ecclesiastes 3, for everything there is a season and a time, for every matter under the sun. And again, I've already said this, there is a measure of his presence. There is a measure of the presence of God. There is an encounter in this season that we will not be able to encounter anywhere else. There are measures of his heart. There are aspects of his heart. There are aspects of the presence of God that you will not find anywhere else but in this season. Because it is completely unique. If today is a unique day that will never exist again, there is a peace of God here that you will never experience again but in this place, in this time. Right now, there is a fresh outpouring every time the people of God gather together. There is a fresh aspect, a fresh revelation, a fresh piece of his heart that is for us to encounter. And each and every day that we live, even in the hard ones, I only have to believe that he is for me, he is not against me. And he did not bring me here to, to leave me and abandon me. And that is, that is at the root of childlike faith. He is for me. He is not against me. Period. He is for me. He is not against me. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to understand the time that I am, I'm in 
to know that he is good and he is for me. Plain and simple. Because I'm telling you right now, church, as, as your pastor and as, as the only full-time pastor in Sundown, Texas, I do not understand what is going on. I do not understand what is going on in our community. I do not understand what is going on in our world. There are things happening that are outside of our control, and I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what the Lord is doing. I have no idea what direction we're headed, but I do know that he is good and he is for me, and he has spoken things over this house that are for its good and not for its destruction. He has spoken things for this community that are for its provision, that are for its new and beautiful life. He is establishing new and beautiful things, and he has spoken that from this pulpit. And he has spoken that in your hearts. But I would tell you right now, it doesn't look like he's being good on his word. Because it doesn't look like the way I thought it would look like, right? It's all about perspective. I've got to remove my preference and understand that it may, I may not understand what I'm looking at, but I can understand this reality that he is good and he is for me. I don't know what, what is happening in our world, but he is good and he is for me. And I've got to give him lordship over this season. That I may enjoy his friendship through it. And this is something we also need to understand, church. God is, he is really good and he will, he will give us understanding if we ask for it. But he does not owe us anything. We owe him everything. I owe him an explanation. He doesn't owe me one. He doesn't need to tell me why the world looks the way it does right now. But, but, because he is so good, if you ask, he will gladly speak to you and bring clarity and bring understanding that he can to you. But we must give him lordship. Acknowledge the truth that he is for me. He is for our city. He's for our school. He's for the finances. He's for our future. He is for them all, and we should give him lordship over them all. Amen? Psalm 1, we've read this before in this house, and this is such a powerful, powerful word. And I have, I have two young boys that I'm raising, and this is a, a model for how I raise them. But just for us, church, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The one who sets Lord over everything in his life experiences his friendship in everything in his life. And is there any greater friend to have than, than our Heavenly Father? Could you imagine anyone better standing in your corner than Jesus? Could you imagine, what does it say? It says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. On our behalf, he intercedes on our behalf. Jesus said that he would stand before the Father interceding for us and for our unity. And you can read of him and his intercession over us in John 17. Can you imagine anyone better standing in your corner being for you and wanting and desiring to be your friend? When do you need a friend the most? When the times are hardest. 
and your best friend that's been with you through thick and thin cannot come close to the friendship of Jesus in difficult places and in a difficult season like we're in in our sundown community. And in West Texas, sundown is not unique in the sense of hardship that it's experiencing. This is across the board. This is all over the place. There, there is no better friend than Jesus. But we are to be this tree, church. We are to be this tree planted by streams of living water that yield its fruit when it, the Lord declares it is time to yield fruit. We are to be this tree that is firmly planted and firmly established. But how can we be that if he is not Lord of all? We can't. He must be Lord. And I'm asking you as a community, as a church, to give him lordship over this season. That we may display his friendship. Because I want him to be my friend. I want to encounter his friendship in my story. I want to experience his friendship in this season, now more than ever. I'm telling you, now more than ever, I want to experience his friendship because things are difficult, and it is not an easy time to be in full-time ministry. I'm just telling you right now, it's, this, I would not recommend it. If you're thinking of a career change, just stay put. It is not easy. It's very difficult. It's very lonely. And I want his friendship. But I will never experience his friendship if he does not first have lordship. I cannot experience the friendship of God in a place where his lordship has not gone before. And so me as your pastor, I am saying I have to lay down my lordship over how I think it should be going and how I want to work it out and make it go. I have to lay that down and allow him to be lord over this season. That he would be the one that defines my day to day. He would be the one that tells me what is happening and what isn't happening. He would be the one that I look to for clarity and understanding about the days that I'm experiencing. I would not look to the world. I would not allow them to define my circumstances. And I would not look within me to try to figure things out. But I would allow him to be Lord. That I could experience his friendship. There's nothing better than the advice of a good friend either. Right? Oh man. In times where you're, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, you don't know where you're supposed to go, you call that one friend that just seems to cut to the heart. That is Jesus in this season if we will give him lordship. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.